HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host and producer is Sophie Schlesinger. Hi, everybody. And today we are very pleased to have with us on the show Janicles Caldwell, who is um, a woman who wears many hats, but she is an author, she is a cheesemaker, um, she is the owner of Folia Farm in Rogue River, Oregon, and um, she's the author of two really wonderful books, uh, The Farmstead Creamery Advisor, which um, came out, published by Chelsea Green in 2010, and more recently, uh, the book Mastering Artisan Cheesemaking, which um, Chelsea Green just put out this fall. Um, so thank you so much for being with us, Janicles. We're honored to have you. Hi, Sophie and Anne. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> um, so how do you do it all? Have, have, you yeah. have a farm, you make cheese, you've written two books. Um, it, that's a pretty impressive, uh, impressive project list. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I, I'm definitely not doing it alone. Let's put it that way. I have a great support system in our, in my family. So Yep, and some some um, nice help that way for sure. That's really great. And so I no- I noticed I was reading a little bit about your background. Um, you had mentioned that you had an art background before you got into cheese making. Can you tell us a little bit about what you what led you down the path to become a cheesemaker? Yeah, well, we're we're we built our farm on part of the land I grew up on, and on that land, two hundred twenty acres, we grew all of our own food, um, including dairy, and I had dairy cows. And then when we moved away from here, and my husband, I followed him around in his Marine Corps career. Um, I was a nurse first for six years, and then went into the art area, which is something I'd always wanted to do. And during that time, made our own yogurt and whatever dairy products you could make with store-bought milk. And I was hoping to again have a cow someday. 
And uh, when I started looking into having a cow again, our daughter, our youngest daughter, was wanting to be involved in the project, and she was just a little bitty eight-year-old girl. And I uh, started to look at her next to a cow and think, that's probably not going to work very well. <laughs> uh, you know, so we started looking into goats, and I had had that stereotypical cow person's view of goats and thinking that they weren't quite up to par. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I admit it. But uh, <laughs> after, having, after having them for a very short time, I realized they're very wonderful creatures, and their milk was amazing. And uh, the cheese I was making was everybody loved it, and you know, there's nothing more uh, gratifying than feeding people and have them being happy. So uh, that's what kind of led us led me to cheese. And then when Vern got ready to retire from the Marine Corps in 2005, we started trying to find a way to come back to some of this family land. And uh, we were just starting then to hear a little bit more in the general press about artisan cheese making and farmstead cheese making and even though i grew up on the farm the notion still sounded slightly romantic <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> maybe it's... because i'd been away from it long enough to forget that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah so it became a way for us to come back to this land that's amazing. And so when you were first, I feel like the thing that makes your book so distinctive and interesting in the marketplace is the fact that they each really feel they fill a niche that is very practical yeah. um, and very useful and just something that wasn't available before you wrote right. these books. So just talking about, you know, this most recent book, um, what were your first resources um, when you began making cheese? Oh, gosh, yeah, my first resources when we, and, and it seems like such a long time ago in some ways and such a short time in other ways, but in 2003, uh, there were just really two cheesemaking books of any note, and the first one I got was Disappointing, and the second one I got was Ricky Carroll's Home Cheesemaking Book, and I still feel it's one of the most uh, best foundation works in uh, her book and her company, New England Cheese Supply, really made the cheesemaking world accessible to both home cheesemakers and people wanting to make something other than industrial cheddar. Uh, so those were my first resources for that. And then, of course, the Internet was becoming more available <clears throat> in the early 2000s and late 1990s. So that was a resource also. And then you started seeing a few uh, kind of glamour cheese books out there with beautiful photographs of cheeses around the world. And I actually, those were one of the biggest inspirations. I would just sit and look at those pictures and wonder how they made those cheeses. <laughs> and why did they look so different from what I had been raised on, which wasn't Velveeta, but it also wasn't anything like what we make here now. So that those were how we got started. That's great. And so from there, um, I mean, so, uh, so you built your education. You're pretty much um, self-taught at the beginning. And then um, I believe I read you took a, um, or maybe it's in the forward part of your book, um, you took a workshop with Peter Dixon um, at a certain point um, and were able to attend some other workshops. Can you tell our listeners um, about how those kind of augmented your cheese knowledge? Yes. Yeah, Peter Dixon, who is you know one of the U.S.'s probably best-known farmstead cheese instructor. I um, took a workshop from him, and one of the best things about that workshop was it took place at somebody else's farmstead creamery. 
Uh, so during that time, I got to help with the milking, work in a small cheese-making space, and start developing some ideas of what would work for me and what would work for our scale of production or our goal scale. And, of course, as you pointed out, um, my first book, there wasn't any information out there in print consolidated into one volume of how to do this. And um, so between his workshop and visiting some other generous cheesemakers that were kind enough to let me come visit, and um, I took a workshop back east also, I, we started to, to work on our plan. And, again, it would have been nice to have, have, a, have a book where all that was out there. But um, luckily I also got the chance to write that book. <laughs> so, so yeah, can you tell us a little bit about, um, I mean, yeah, I want to talk about um, all of your work. So can you talk a, talk a little bit about the Farmstead Creamery Advisor and what that book, uh, what, what was the goal of that book and what can people right. find in that book? Right. Well, that, the goal of that book was to be a resource for people wanting to build a small on-farm cheese company. Um, when I say small, I mean under maybe 50 goats or... 20 cows, so a very small focus, and um, bless Chelsea Green's heart for deciding that was worth publishing, because uh, that is a, you know, even then it was a narrow niche, and it probably will also always remain somewhat commercially narrow on the book sales department, um, but once we got into business and um, were successful with our cheese, we experienced what a lot of farmstead cheesemakers experience which is being inundated by calls of other people wanting to do the same thing and just filled with questions and really good questions. But at that time, you find out that you have very little time to even, you know, do your invoices and pay your own bills, much less uh, coach people. Um, but during the winter, there is some extra time, and I'd always wanted to write a book. Uh, fancied that I would one day write fiction and uh, come to find out that I'm a little bit better at this and it's also very, unlike the art world, it's really nice to provide something that a lot more people can identify with and um, help them. It, at this point in my life, the helping part feels really good. It's funny. I came from an art background as well, and I yeah. found the same thing, making cheese. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, here is this yeah. thing. The process is so similar, and yet it's so much more accessible. You don't have to right. have a fancy degree to understand what's going on. You just yeah. have some taste buds, right. and you say to yourself, okay, great. <laughs> I like it. Right. Yeah, you can still be true to your art through the cheese. Whereas if it's a more personal form of expression, like two-dimensional or sculpture, you're so showing a part of your soul that not a lot of people may be able to identify with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so that's so I feel like you've taken on kind of a dual role then because you know you're a business owner and you're a writer, but you're also now um, sort of one of the foremost educators um, for. Um, this type of small-scale business. Do you feel like the success of the book has taken you away from the cheesemaking, or has it enabled you to um, just put that out there and then pursue the cheesemaking, you know, sort of even better than before? Well, I, I think maybe I must be an ADD person because having a lot of things going at once is always very satisfying to me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely, we're definitely still just as involved here it's just my husband, myself, and our daughter um, doing most of the work. And um, 
what's happened, though, is instead of it being just me making cheese, it's now my husband and I making cheese. Um, so we've the whole business started out without any sort of a plan <laughs> as to who was going to do what. And um, I'm sure we're not alone in that, but it's also been a wonderful lesson in how things can evolve organically to meet the goals of the business when everybody is on the same team. So because we are vested in this as a couple, um, we've, it's just evolved over time as to who does what. And um, like today we made cheese and um, Vern got the vat started. He cleaned the vat and got the big heavy milk cans and poured into that. And while I finished up a couple things with the outside chores, cleaning pens. And then I went in and I did the affinage in the aging room, which takes quite a bit of time. Mm. And so we have all naturally rinded cheeses. And then I came out and I took over the cheese vat after wiping all the dust mold off my coat, of course, my <laughs> lab coat. And uh, then he took over cutting up cheese for the farmer's market tomorrow. Uh, and then he went to town to run errands, and I flipped cheeses and did emails and we awaited your call. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like so a very been, well choreographed dance. Yeah, <laughs> pardon? It sounds like a very well choreographed dance. Yes, well, and that's what I think it's kind of slowly gotten to be. And I think that's something to encourage people to expect in that things will always be changing in a small mom-and-pop, if you will, organization, and to be open to that and just remember that everybody's, um, like I said, playing on the same team and uh, supporting each other. And so can you give our listeners a little bit of an idea of what, um, you know, what types of cheese Folia Farm makes and where do you sell um, and how, how you run your business? Right. Folia Farm, uh, we make a whopping probably three 400 pounds of cheese a month. Uh, we milk only about 30 to 40 goats, and they're in, on top of being just goats, they're Nigerian dwarf goats, which means they have very rich milk but not as much as a big dairy goat. Um, so we make cheese two to three times a week. We do only raw. We're uh, completely off the power grid and make our own power from solar and um, a little bit of microhydro in the winter. And that being off the grid and having to be responsible for our own energy usage has dictated much of our process, including you know a lot of things being done in, in more of a, we call ourselves high-tech primitive. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, so we make, a, like I said, raw aged cheeses, uh, natural rinded. I make quite, we make about four regular cheeses. And then because of this second book where I had to make you know, every cheese that's covered in there, um, we, we make what we now call book cheese. Mm-hmm. And it's just whatever I feel like making at the time. And then that just goes to the local farmer's market. Uh, when you sell to cheese counters, as you probably know, uh, it's a good idea for a small producer to not have too much in their product line. Uh, so we keep our main cheeses to go to counters, and then the um, the, the cheeses that we make to fight fight uh, rep- repetition and boredom are go to the farmers market, and there your customers typically get very excited to see something new. And they hear, and they want to hear the story from you, of course, about yeah. <laughs> why it's different and how it turned out, and yeah, get the whole, get the whole sort of right, yeah, right, kit and caboodle. And some, yeah, yeah, it's fun. 
Um, well, uh, I think actually we've reached the midpoint of our show, so we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll deep dive into uh, talking about your new book, Mastering Artisan Cheesemaking. Um, so everybody stay with us. We'll be right back on Cutting the Curd. This is Sam Edwards from Virginia with SurreyFarms.com, proud sponsors of the Heritage Radio Network. And we are back on Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host is Sophie Schlesinger. And today we are chatting with um, Giannocles Caldwell, who is the owner of Folia Farm, and most recently, uh, well, the author of several books, but her most recent book is Mastering Artisan Cheesemaking, which was recently published by Chelsea Green. Um, definitely check it out. Um, anyone who is interested in learning to make cheese or learning what makes cheese what it is should um, pick up a copy of this book because it's really um, fascinating stuff. Um, so, Janicles, we were talking a little bit in the first segment about you know you starting your business and identifying this this hole in the market for uh, a how to book for how to start a business. Right. Um, how did you um, envision this second book? Well, it's I'm glad you asked that. For quite a while, I kept waiting for someone else to write it because <laughs> I didn't. I knew it needed to be out there, but I didn't feel like I was the one. There are so many other people who have been doing this for so much longer than I have. And then through various conversations and things, I realized that if those people wanted to write it, they would have, or they still could. So I thought, you know, I really want to learn this stuff. I'm going to go ahead and give it a try. And um, part of the joy of writing a book that you don't necessarily understand the topic as thoroughly when you start your research, that's, it's almost like a senior project or a, you know, a degree project or mm-hmm. something mm. where you know you can learn it and then it becomes your job to do the research, put it all together and organize it. And frankly, for me, that, that's how I was able to learn it. And, um, and had, it, it really, it was almost a selfish act. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, a selfish act that is going to benefit countless generations of cheesemakers yeah, to come. <laughs> yeah. It's really exciting. Um, I have to Thank say, I, in reading it, I've, you know, I made cheese briefly, um, you know, on, on various farms before I opened yeah. my store. And I thought I had a pretty good handle on cheesemaking. And even, you know, just the first chapter diving in, I was like, whoa, I learned <laughs> all these new things in the first five pages or so. It was just very exciting. Um, well, and, and that became a challenge for me, too, because I, I ordered all these academic books, you know, all the big textbooks that 
that they use in, in university. And um, not only did I, the first few pages I read sounded like a foreign language to me, but I also, as I started understanding, I realized, that, where do you stop? And um, I, always, I constantly had to remind myself with this book that there was a point where you had to stop digging into a subject because it would both not be pertinent to most cheesemakers that would be reading it, and it would lead to confusion, um, not least of among, for myself. <laughs> um, but it, was, it was, helped me develop a lot of respect for the research side because they truly, there's so much that is still a mystery and their, their understanding and um, that's evolving, and that's part of what you hope to help cheesemakers understand, that you're working with something that's changing all the time, and um, you may not always get the answers that you need, but hopefully you'll be stimulated by the challenge. Absolutely. And, oh, Sophie, were you going to ask a question? That's kind of exactly what I was going to ask, just to kind of keep going with what you were talking about. How did you filter the information, and what are some of, like, the, I don't know, broader themes that you think are are most important when it when it comes to mastering cheese making? Oh, that's a good question. Let's see. The filtering it was a bit of a challenge, um, but I just I took extensive notes and then made tried to correlate all of those with other sources. You know, so I wasn't just using one source and did find some conflicts and then would bounce some of those conflicting theories or sciences off of um, some of my lovely readers that I've noted in the acknowledgments. Um, you know, people with a much broader view of science and true PhDs in, in uh, academics and um, try to pare it down to what would make sense and then had other lovely readers who are varying degrees in their uh, or varying stages in their own cheesemaking careers, um, whether that be just beginning or home cheesemakers or um, small artisans, and see how it read to them. Um, as you probably know, the more you read it yourself, sometimes the more you the less you understand or you need those fresh eyes. <laughs> the less it yeah. makes sense. It's like yeah. saying a word over and over again. Yeah. It kind of right. loses meaning. Right. With the first book, I um, well, Vern, my husband, has always been my first reader. And I, I, I tell people, and I'm not kidding, it's been a really gross, a gross thing for me to have your spouse be your first critic and want to hear that criticism. <laughs> it's, like, it's like putting the pants on and saying to these pants make my butt look big and really <laughs> wanting to know. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a little hard, difficult at first, but um, that's, he's, he's great that way. So, um, yeah, he told me when my butt was too big. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good person to have on your team, for sure. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's what I say, why I say it's not, one person didn't do this alone. <laughs> Well, and so just to continue with Sophie's question, I guess, you know, filtering this information was a tremendous task. And um, I think one of the things that's very successful about your book is that you managed to phrase it in a way that's so friendly and so accessible to cheesemakers and cheese lovers of all sort of levels of skill. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, you know, your conscious desire to do that and make it, you know, down to earth rather than esoteric and academic? Well, you know, maybe it's a it's a mixed blessing that I didn't get to go on to university. I mean, in some ways, it it keeps me my learning abilities at the level of maybe most people. And I figure, though, you know, all of us are pretty smart, and 
There has to be a way to learn this without it um, overwhelming and discouraging you. And that was that. That's probably my filter, my built-in filter is helpful with that. I don't know if that that's clear enough there. But no, yeah, that's that's very clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and so I was wondering also. Um, so this, I, I like you know so. I like the fact that you're teaching all these new cheesemakers, but you're also very mindful of teaching them well. Can you talk a little bit about um, the difference of the art versus the science of cheesemaking and how you view the importance of knowing the science part? Right. Well, I've always told people that even if you don't want to know the science, it's happening. So (laughs) at some point, you're going to have to face that. And hopefully, once you do, you'll realize that's even as ex- that's that's even more exciting. It's like uh, learning to mix paints when you're doing a painting. Um, you may not know, and it may sound intimidating at first, and then once you do, it opens up whole new worlds of possibility and um, and challenge and excitement. And so, what would you say to somebody who's ready to take that first step um, and and make cheese, you know, at home or try to think about starting a farm? What would your advice to them be? Well, as far as the making cheese goes, everybody's a bit of a different type of learner. And I want people to, I don't want my book to be um, touted as the perfect book for every beginner because it may not be. It may be a little bit too much but hopefully it will serve as a resource and something to pull them on into that next level. Um, I think you have to know your own learning style. If science is intimidating, there are great recipes and books, including Ricky Carroll's, that will get, help you get your feet wet in the milk, so to speak, and um, get you started. I, I sometimes think if I knew now, then what I know now, I would have never started because <laughs> you wonder how could it ever work out because there are so many possibilities. So I, I think knowing yourself as a learner and um, having a lot of different resources, there is a great, there are some great resources. Hopefully they're in the back of my book um, for cheese social networks and forums where you can ask questions and um, get some peer support. You know, if you're not ready for a for a big book, that but um, and there are clubs and there are so many things now. It's just amazing. It really, it really, really is. Um, yeah, it, it's your show too. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, yeah, we we try, we try to <laughs> get the word out yeah. every, on Mondays. Um, but so, can you talk a little bit about um, one of the things that I really enjoyed um, about your book as well was that you immediately stressed that. Cheesemaking is not just a step-by-step process where you say, first I do A, then I do B, then I get C, which means I move on to D. You really tackled sort of all the interchangeable parts of cheesemaking, I thought, in a really good way. Can you talk a little bit about how, like, what what beginning cheesemakers need to know about that aspect of cheesemaking that, you know, it's not as straightforward as you might think it is? Right. Well, that's, again, where sometimes you have to start thinking it's straightforward and then find out later. But, um, uh, you know, true cheesemakers, you never hear them follow, saying they have a recipe. They have a make sheet and guidelines and goals um, because of exactly what you said as far as things being so changeable. Um, and it's, uh, I wanted to have people be mindful of that throughout and also in the fact that there are no set recipes. 
And there isn't, like, there, I'm sure you hear it all the time, oh, I love goat cheese. Well, there isn't a goat cheese. There isn't, <laughs> yeah. I say, well, I love good cheese, you know. <laughs> That's the only kind of cheese I like. <laughs> and uh, it just, the, the infinite possibilities in throughout the process, but pairing that back down to starting with simple steps and, um, hope, and with some cheeses that are a lot more reliable in their process. Um, which is where most people start and get so excited. I remember the first cheeses I made and you know, chevre and uh, quick mozzarella, and I thought that I had just you know, worked a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't, the longer you've been making cheese, sometimes the more removed you get from the beauty of those first cheeses, um, but they're not to be forgotten. And a part of the fun of teaching beginning classes, which I for a long time thought I wouldn't want to still do, is reconnecting with that, the simple beauty of those. Not only the process, but the product. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great to hear that you're still so, yeah. you know, passionate about it. That's so, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more than passionate. I'm kind of silly, goofy, teary. I get all hallmarky and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you feel the curds moving around in the vat and how they hit your hand and that intuitive part. That was, I'd probably say the main goal of the book is, to have people know enough to become intuitive, and maybe that sounds like a backwards approach, but I think for these kind of things, you can can develop that and be thinking on your feet. I wholeheartedly agree. I wholeheartedly yeah. agree. That's um, well, I, I'm so happy again that you came on the show. Um, uh, for all of our listeners. Um, uh, the book is called Mastering Artisan Cheesemaking. And do you have a preferred source for people to um, to purchase this book? Or, or how, how should people go about um, getting well, getting a copy? I'm sure it would be the best thing for me to say to buy it directly from Chelsea Green, right? That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea Green yeah. is a great publisher. Well, Chelsea Green, and I, I do want to give them incredible, especially my editor, McKenna um, Goodman, good, incredible um, kudos, kudos excuse me, for helping see the book properly and um, amazing people. That is great. And if people want to keep up with um, your other writings and uh, things happening on the farm, you also um, have a blog, is that correct? I have a blog and um, we have a good website for our farm so people can see the goats. We do a live webcam on our baby pens in the spring so people can watch baby goats bouncing around. (laughs) Yeah, We try to do all we can that way. Did you want... And um, so the the website, uh, what what is your website? I'm sorry, I don't have that the right in front of me. The website is uh, Folia Farm, P H O L I A Farm dot com, and the blog is geonicallycaldwell dot wordpress dot com. Fantastic. And we're going to, um, uh, your name is amazing and wonderful. Um, and we're going <laughs> to spell, we're going to, yeah, we're going to tag that. So anyone who oh, wasn't good. sure how to spell <laughs> yeah. Geonicles, you can just visit heritageradionetwork.org and you will find her here. Um, well, thank you again for being on the show with us. We had a fantastic time and I can't wait to finish your book. Thank you, Ann and Sophie. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be back next week with another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. Bye. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. 
You can like us on Facebook and You're follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.